What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Brothers Fantasy Football Podcast, a podcast by two brothers from the same mother, giving you their fantasy takes, analysis, and everything in between. As usual, it's your boy Derek here, the younger bro, and I'm here with the big bro, Daryl. Daryl, my man, the draft is over. How you feeling out here? So much happened. So much happened. So many pieces got put into place. We can really start hitting these best ball mania four drafts. Like the ball is rolling. Like we're we're on our way to the season now. Like I feel like we get a few more of these veterans signed and all that stuff, but like more or less, more or less like we can really just like start thinking strategy and all that stuff. Like we're going to talk about all the, all the draft reactions and whatnot today, but like, yeah, the, the bowling pins, like all 10, <laughs> well, it's like nine, nine of them have been set up. We're just waiting on like maybe one more little piece for the off season stuff. And then, yeah, a couple more sleeps in this football season, you know, it feels like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's like, three layers in my opinion when it comes to football in the offseason and the first layer you have is of course any additional players released as well as free agency well franchise tags and free agency then you get that second piece of the draft and then you get that final piece of like OTAs and training camps that kind of help shape and mold where you view these players at um, when it comes to fantasy so like yeah like you said we got two of these down we got just Nine of the pins down. We just got one more to uh, pick up and mess with because we've gotten pretty much through the bulk of where these players are going to be, even though there are people like, you know, Zeke and Kareem Hunt still out here unsigned. Um, We got most of the information and it's just, like you said, best ball season and now we're off. Yeah. Feels good, man. Feels damn good. (laughs) Feels good. Feels great. Well, today we're going to do some draft talk. We're going to go over some winners and losers. But before we even hop into that, let's hop into a couple of news nuggets. The first one we'll lead off with is Aaron Rodgers finally got traded, and that trade was to the New York Jets. This happened a couple weeks ago. um, But basically, the Jets swapped first-rounders in the draft. Green Bay got a second-rounder as well, a sixth-round pick. And basically, they'll get another second-round pick if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the plays. Daryl, what are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers to the Jets from a fantasy perspective? I, well, I mean, first of all, like this being Captain Obvious here, I think it significantly opens opens things up for Garrett Wilson. You know, I think you can feel solid about drafting him as like a lower end wide receiver one upper end wide wide receiver two um you know i think so that's that that's the first part um as for the rest of the receiving core it's a bunch of and i i i don't know in best ball i won't be targeting those guys like i don't i don't think like a like a lazard they just signed randall the day we're recording this they sound randall cobb the day before won't be too interested in that, <laughs> you know. Um, but 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 I think this really opens up things for for Garrett Wilson. 
if Brees Hall can can get back, I think it opens things up for for him, and I think it overall it just lifts it just lifts um, it just lifts that whole offense from what they were having to deal with last year. But really, the only person I could put my you know who I put my name by that like I feel confident like this guy's really going to take a jump is Garrett Wilson. Right. Um, so far, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Like, Garrett Wilson was pushing up into that 13, 14 wide receiver ranking range and even into um, probably with some people, even the latter part of a wide receiver one. And now I think with Rodgers, it just kind of solidifies that. Um, on Fantasy Pros, they have him as wide receiver 10, and I'm pretty sure he's going to stay there, you know, bearing injury or something happening until draft season. Can we play a quick game with this then? It'll be quick because I know we got a lot of stuff to get to. All right. Stop, stop me when you hear the first name that you would take before Garrett Wilson. It's, it's going to be all receivers. All right. Okay. Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Amon Ra, Jalen Waddle. Stop. Deion... Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm Wilson. That, that was 10. Right that, that, that was 10 guys. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's where I'm at with that. And mainly Wilson over Waddle just simply because he is the number one guy. Like, he's not having to share it with another freak in the backfield, if you will. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm slightly lean over Wilson over Waddle. Okay. All right, cool. I feel that. I feel that. I couldn't I wouldn't blame anybody for jumping him over CeeDee Lamb as well because mm, I mean okay. you know Gallup's supposed to be back to full strength and then Brandon Cooks ain't no slouch. Um so you know uh, he's not he's gonna be such yeah. a value come redraft time, but we'll have plenty of time to talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh right, yeah, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. For sure. The other piece of news we have is, sorry, got got muted there for some reason, but other piece of news, we got Lamar re-signing with the Baltimore Ravens, five-year deal, 260 milli, 185 of that is guaranteed, no trade or franchise um, tag clauses in there, and 72.5 million signing bonus. So Lamar staying in Baltimore kind of segues into um, our initial draft talk winners here. And I had him listed here. Um, Darrell, what are your thoughts on Lamar Jackson with Baltimore and some weapons he added since we last talked? All right. So just to kind of list off the weapons, um, they drafted Zay Flowers, signed Odell Beckham. We, we talked about that um, before bringing in the new high-flying offensive coordinator, Tom Markham, healthy J.K. Dobbins back, um, healthy Mark Andrews back. Mm -hmm. So the way this works out to me is I think this all, this like this raises up Lamar. You know, this is, this is a season where maybe you want to go to DraftKings or Bovada or your your book of choice and just start pricing um, Lamar MVP odds because 
he's got some he's got some weapons to do some things this year. So I'm I'm fully excited about him. Before we took our little break um, pre-draft, I wasn't that excited to draft Lamar at the prices he was going in some of these um, in some of these best ball drafts. But now I gotta say he's firmly he's firmly QB four like at the at the least to me. Like I'm taking him over Burrow. I'm taking him over Justin Fields. Only guys I'm considering taking over him are you know the usual suspects: Allen Hurts, mm-hmm. Mahomes. And if you tell me, if you tell me um, that by the end of the year, Lamar is QB one, QB two, QB three, it's in its range of outcomes. So fully, fully on board with him. He's one who's kind of burned me the last couple of years, but I think that could easily be blamed on well his own injuries and just the poor job they did with their receiving room. I think this is enough of an upgrade that when you pair it with his talent. The scene is set for him. As for those weapons, though, I still only really remain excited about Mark Andrews, um, you know, about about dropping some capital on Lamar Andrews. Lamar Andrews. On Lamar Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> on Mark Andrews. Um, Flowers, Flowers and Beckham and Rashad Bateman. The price is going to have to be right for them. And I mean, technically, that should always be the thing. But you know, sometimes you'll you'll put a little you know you'll you'll jump a guy's ADP a little bit because you have a little bit of extra belief in him, right? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna want some deals on those guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna want some values on on that receiving core. Um, so yeah, this lifted Lamar's boat. As for the weapons, including the running backs, you know. Hopefully J.K. Dobbins is back. Let me just speak on him real quick. Hopefully he's back. Get him at a mid-tier um, running back two or worse. You know, I'd be okay. I, I, I think I'd, I'd be okay with that. But this whole thing, Lamar coming back to me is all about Lamar, given what the with the upgrades they made to some of their weapons. Um, so yeah, where where are you at with that? Yeah, so with Lamar, um, Alex Isley, who is the daughter of one of the Isley brothers, has a song that's called Into Orbit. And where I'm going with this is that she has a lyric that's go- that goes, take me to the moon. <laughs> I want to be with the stars. Lamar's been there, obviously, before, but he's back here, man, like. I love the addition of the weapons that he has around him there with Zay Flowers now and Odell. And even if Odell's not 100%, like Odell as the, you can say he's the second wide receiver or the third wide receiver is an upgrade than anything they had going last year um, in that receiving room. From a draft perspective with those three of Zay Flowers, Odell, and Rashad Bateman, Come redraft season, it's probably going to be take your shot, Bill. Um, currently, they're all going as wide receiver fours or higher, with Odell being the higher one, according to best ball rankings on fantasy pros. So when it comes to your league draft, it's going to be a take your shot season with them. 
just depending on which one of the guys you like the most or what you're hearing in training camp. And obviously that will probably affect ratings rankings come then. Um, Mark Andrews is going to be Mark Andrews. He's, he's safe where he's at. And overall Lamar, like, yeah, he's back here. He can definitely finish as the overall QB one with these weapons. Yeah. Yeah. Lamar to the moon. Like you said, <laughs> take him, take, take him to orbit. I'm going to have to do some more digging on. I'm going to have to do some more searching of my feelings. Um, shout out. It's May the 4th, Star Wars Day. Let's go. Let's go. Anyway, yeah, I'm going to have to search my feelings <laughs> a little bit more about um, about these receiver weapons, though. Like I said, I don't think they're bad or anything like that. It's just like what price to pay in drugs. Right. That, that, that's the big thing. For sure. For sure. Next guy we had up in our winner segment is Geno Smith. Gino comes in here. Um, they add Jackson Smith McJigba in the first round, and they also added Zach Charbonnet um, in this backfield in the second round. Just more playmakers for Gino Smith. Just increases his upside as a quarterback. And from a fantasy perspective and, of course, real-life perspective, he won here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, real-life perspective. The boy got paid. He got one of, you know, one of the better, you know, stories of perseverance that you could um, that, that you could see in sports. You know, this man could go and speak at local high schools, at very least in the Seattle area for like the rest of his life with um, with, with how he's done with now with how the franchise did by him as far as uh, his weaponry. They went out and got, you know, what was at worst the number two receiver in the draft. Added to a core that already has DK and Tyler Lockett. That's that's solid. They already, you know, they have that uh, that little rotation of tight ends that they do. None of those guys are like all that great, but none of them is terrible, you know, between Disley and Fant. Um, more weapons for him, and he, he does use – those guys, and then between um, between Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker, two solid solid running backs. Um, you know, I wish I was a little bit more well versed on the state of each team's offensive line. What I do remember is from last year they had some trouble along their offensive line. So like that's going to be, um, you know, gonna just I, I need to go back and like look and see what they've done to address that, like maybe through free agency or um, you know, maybe some guys just improving and whatnot. But if you just want to look at what they've surrounded him with, he's mm-hmm. got he's got the backdrop. He, he he's got the backdrop to do some things. And you know, we talked about Aaron Rodgers earlier. I much prefer Geno's, um I much prefer his weaponry than than what I do with with Rogers so um that probably means I prefer Gino to Aaron Rodgers now that I'm thinking about that so yeah just <laughs> yeah. yeah he is he you know if Lamar hadn't if Lamar hadn't got the upgrade that he got with his weapons and also if Lamar wasn't Lamar himself getting that upgrade Gino would probably be the number one quarterback we we'd be talking about here in mm-hmm. the in the winner circle so yeah, it's uh, it's good looking. It's good looking stuff for 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 him, 
And maybe he'll be somebody we talk about when we start talking about draft strategy and the astronomical increase in ADP that quarterbacks are seeing right now. Maybe, you know, um, maybe he's a contrarian play to maybe sort of take advantage of what's going on with these quarterbacks going so early in drafts. But yeah, absolute, absolute total, total win for that dude, man. And you love to see it. Absolutely. And staying within that Seattle offense, um, I want to talk, well, I'll first start with Jackson Smith and the jig, but like, it kind of sucks for for him from the redraft perspective because he was probably being viewed as when you went into the draft as one of those wide receivers that could go to a team and be the target hog, but that just simply won't be in play here in Seattle, bearing injury to those guys. And then with the two running backs, um, I think this is a loss for, for both of them, in particular with Kenneth Walker. Like, he was probably creeping up there to, like, a running back, you know, six to eight range potentially. But with the addition of Charbonnet here, I think honestly, like he probably has to drop down um, to bottom tier RB1, which I mean, that's not bad in itself, but Charbonnet is a talented dude drafted in the second round. They're definitely going to be working this man into the rotation. So what are your thoughts on, on that backfield? Well, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a lot like you said. These are two very talented guys. And it's not like Charbonnet is a – it's not like he's a, you know, like he's a pure pass catching back or he's a pure just thumper. Like right. a lot like Kenneth Walker, he could do both. And he's maybe got a little bit better of a passing profile, um, a passing game profile than, than Kenneth Walker. So – you know, there's the, there's that aspect of it. But at the same time, though, it might not be so bad because now with those two and the skill sets that both of them have, mm-hmm. you can start getting – I'm not even sure if DJ Dallas is on that team, but, like, whatever the, whatever the DJ Dallas snaps and the Travis Homer snaps were last year, those should, those should dwindle down to dust now. So, like, you know – maybe there is enough meat on that bone. Like neither will, without injury, neither guy is really setting up to be a workhorse. Right. But that's pretty much the state of the league now. So, you know, I've, things could, there's a path where it could work out to where Kenneth Walker is a lower end RB1 and you're able to, you know, Given given that week's matchup, you're able to get away with flexing Charbonnet. So, like there, okay, there is. I, I think there there is a path for for that to be to be a thing. Yeah, absolutely. With with their talents and again with what the weapons Geno has around him, you know, you could be looking at a game where they put up, you know, twenty eight or thirty five points, and like four of the touchdowns are between Charbonnet and Walker. Like, yeah, that's definitely within the cards. Because we know what Pete Carroll wants to do with that rock. <laughs> right. My last little nugget on Ken Walker last year, he basically had 10 games after Rashad Penny went out, um, and that's excluding one full game he missed with an injury and then the one game where he actually got hurt in it against the Rams. Six of those 10 games, he had 20-plus carries. 
I don't know if we're gonna still get that same good luck here. <laughs> right. So right, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's that that's probably that probably definitely. Yeah, that's that that's probably true. Yeah. Let's move it on. We got another quarterback we'll have in the winner section. Anthony Richardson drafted to those Indianapolis Colts. Gets there with uh Steichen, if you will. He should be the QB one in the room, maybe, possibly. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Richardson here? Well, all right, here's the thing, right? I know every team, every front office probably likes, every coaching staff probably likes to start off the year thinking, hey, we got a chance. We could do something. We can make something shake. We go out there. We play hard. You know, we stack a couple wins here and blah, 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 and, you know, maybe we could backdoor our way to the playoffs. I don't think Indy should be thinking that way. They got Gardner Minshew on a one-year deal. If that man starts more than four games with Anthony Richardson not injured, (laughs) that is absolute malpractice. It's absolute malpractice. This is a year, this is a year of years to get that man some reps, to get him coached up to get him confident. And if that's the case, he's one of those, you know, he's got the the whole Justin Fields profile kind of thing. You know, I know they don't play exactly alike, but I mean, you put him out on the field for fantasy purposes. The guy's in play every week. Yeah. He's in play like as a legit starter every week. So yeah, he deserves to be in this, in this winner's circle. Um, His, his weaponry could could stand some some upgrading, you know, with Pittman, Alec Pierce. Uh, I feel like there's somebody I'm missing. Not really much going on in their tight end room, but then you know, let's let's go ahead and assume a healthy season, a more or less healthy season from Jonathan Taylor. They could be a nightmare for for for, for other teams. I don't think there'll be enough of a nightmare to like. To like you know, go out and win like double digit games, but they could be a nightmare to where like you got to score, you got to score like thirty to 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 get past them, like come like middle of the season type of thing after some initial growing pain. So yeah, th- this was this was about as good a spot as as he could have landed because they're. I got I got no beef with Gardner Minshew. I'm not in love with Gardner Minshew, but Gardner Minshew should not be standing in the way of you developing Anthony Richardson unless he is just completely, you know, not up to the task and ready to go uh, week one. For sure. If he ends up starting from week one and plays the whole season, what's your floor and ceiling for him? Um, Floor... I mean, floor. He, I think he does have. Uh, that's that's tough. I think that he does have like very very upper tier quarterback to finish as a floor. All that's I don't think he's a guaranteed QB one like necessarily. Like if he comes out and is just terrible um, as far as passing the ball goes, and that offense ends up like completely stuck in the mud, but ceiling. 
Ah, man. Um, Quarterback six, quarterback five, six, seven. You know, I'm not – I can't see him dislodging Allen Hurts, Mahomes, or Lamar, but I could see him pushing Burrow and Fields out of five and six um, and potentially Herbert out of – you know, out, out of seven. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's where the, the, that's where I see his heel, his ceiling with some ridiculous spike weeks kind of kind of peppered in there when it's his turn to get the touchdown versus uh versus Jonathan Taylor or I was I was gonna say Michael Pittman, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, I some so yeah somewhere somewhere between five, six, seven ish area that that's where I see his his ceiling. Okay, fair enough. Let's go to the next guy. We well, got no, no. You have to answer that now too. Oh well, I didn't. I don't know. I mean, yeah, ceiling wise, yeah, six, six seems fair because again, those other four to five, he's not getting by. The floor could be really low. Like to me, he could be like a barely a QB two, like QB twenty four. Like it could. It could be bad if the passing isn't there and, you know, defenses know that and able to contain him. It could be really bad. So, yeah, 6 to 24 is the range I'm looking at. Okay. Okay. We move. Jordan Addison, wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. He got drafted by them. I consider him a winner in this aspect um, simply because – uh, the team loses Adam Thielen. They still have KJ Osborne there, and of course TJ Hawkinson is there. But from the perspective of getting drafted and coming into an area where a guy who left the team, who had been here, of course, with Justin Jefferson for three years, averaged about a hundred targets during that time frame. You're not. I don't think he's necessarily going to step in and have a hundred targets, but. It's definitely within the ceiling of what he could do, especially with that Vikings defense. And I don't think it got any better. So, yeah, Jordan Addison, I find him a winner based on where he was drafted. I feel that, and so yeah, I'm I'm kind of of two minds with with him, just because like okay, KJ Osborne, I want to say is three years into his career and he really mm-hmm. has not shown he really has not shown a whole lot so from the day Addison gets there i think he does have the chance to to supplant um to to, to supplant um KJ Osborne in the pecking order problem is he's got Jettis on top of him and you know with what we saw out of Hawkinson, I don't think Hawkinson is a lock to reproduce what he did last year, but at the same time, you know, he's already spent most of a year there. He's pretty much, he's pretty much established. So he's going to have to be dealt with in the target pecking order. So I can, I would definitely say I could see him slotting in, you know, coming in like day one, getting, you know, being the third man, on the totem pole with a chance to maybe jump Hawkinson as far as um, if not number of targets, explosiveness of targets and, and, you know, adding, adding some, a little bit more explosive to that offense. So I think that's, I think that's there for them. And then, like you said, 
their backdrop, um, their backdrop for what that offense is going to be asked to do due to um, due to how bad their defense has, has been. You know, there's going to be some opportunity there. I don't think he's a lock by any stretch, especially not this year, but going going forward. Um, yeah, he could he could be the Robin to um, to Jetta's Batman, you know, go, going forward, though. Like, I think that is certainly on the table. You know, he's not um, opportunity wise. He might be like in a better off position than, say, um, than say, uh, who was it we just talked about earlier than um, yeah, JSN than JSN. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you know, and that's all going to depend on how long Tyler Lockett sticks around. Um, so, so yeah, he's you know, kind of, kind of very similar type of vibes there, I think. Yeah, I just think the role that he could play in this offense has more upside than like JSN, for example. And like Addison could potentially be somebody that you could be starting week one in like a two wide receiver, two flex league, whereas. JSN, I mean, you possibly could, depending on how that draft went. But as of today, I would be more comfortable starting Addison than uh, JSN in that in that position. Okay, that it's 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 not it's not it's not a hot take, but it's like that thing where like you first start to see the little the little bubbles coming up in the water. So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Is this purely based on opportunity, and that's why? Yeah. Um, the next two guys, we'll just discuss these together because um, they were basically affected with each other. But two winners here. We got DeAndre Swift, the former Detroit Lions running back who got traded to Philly. And a lot of it probably had to do with they just didn't really like him like that. And then a bigger part of it is that they drafted Jamar Gibbs, the Lions did, at pick 12. And he's a winner here um, in my eyes as well. And I guess we can throw David Montgomery in here as a loser <laughs> with the first yeah. round capital being used on a running back. Um, Daryl, kind of get into these three guys for me, your thoughts. All right. So, yeah, it's you just hit the nail on the head with um, with, with Gibbs. You know, there's the stuff you could talk about with him that um, the, you know, sub 200 pounds. So it's not really going to be a banger or or anything like that. But top half of the first round draft capital traded for him, you know, traded to get that spot, traded away um, the guy whose spot he was taking. Like they fully intend, to me that signals they're fully intend, intending to use him. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And even though, even though David Montgomery does have pass catching chops, you know, and we saw that from his time with the Bears, He's not. He's not on the Jameer Gibbs level um, when when it comes to that. So I think mm-hmm. he comes there with with a with a carved out role, just like pretty much immediately. And there's not a whole lot of there's not there's not a whole lot of pop to that offense in the first place. You know, it it, it was a good offense the, this past year, but with Jamison Williams about to be sat down for a while with DJ Chark out the door. You know they're going to be looking for, for for some big plays and whatnot, and he'll get the chance to do that. And he excelled at that in, in Alabama. So I think, I think, yeah, this is every everything is saying like all the peripherals are saying, 
Gibbs is a guy you want to you 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 want to get your hands on. He certainly he won. He won. There's a whole lot of other destinations he could have gone to where you'd just be like, eh, but he won. Um as for as for David Montgomery, maybe he's no worse off than he was before DeAndre Swift left, but again, they traded for the guy who's going to come in and compete with you for running back touches and got him in the first round and traded out of his competition, who's not a terrible back. Like DeAndre's, even though Detroit fell out of love with him, DeAndre Swift's not bad. Right. So they brought in, they brought in David Montgomery's um, competition like that. So you definitely can't say he won anything um, with, with DeAndre Swift being sent out the door and Gibbs coming in, which probably means he lost. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's, yeah. yeah, that, that, that makes sense from, from that aspect. We could talk about the Philly guys real quick, but, but first, you know, you, you get into um, what you think of how things shook out with, with Detroit. Yeah, this definitely shook out well for Gibbs. Like he comes into a situation where a team, they, I mean, they traded, they traded back, but essentially traded back up, if you will, whatever. And they come and grab you there. So, yeah, he's going to be a part of their plans. Um, so, DeAndre Swift last year in 14 games, he had 70 targets. So, about five targets a game. I would not be surprised if Gibbs saw that or more because uh, Jerry Goff does like to throw to the running back. So this is a definite win for him, from especially from a redraft fantasy perspective as well. Now, with DeAndre Swift, we can transition to Philly. Um, man, <laughs> you got Swift, you got Penny, assuming, you know, he comes back healthy. Then you all you already have Gainwell and Boston Scott in that backfield. So you got a bevy of backs there in Philly. Um man, I I I really have no clue who's gonna be considered the lead the lead back in there. If I had to guess, I would assume Penny, but I think it's just gonna be a rotation of all four of them guys, man. Right. So there was some kind of comment that um, Nick, what, what, what's what's their coach's last name? Nick, uh, why am Sirianni? I trying to say? Sirianni? Sirianni. Yeah, he said something to the effect of it would be his preference to use um, more of a more of a workhorse back, but with the construction of this backfield, they don't have that. But my my initial impression is to be excited about this because mm-hmm. you you have you know I think you we okay maybe we don't know exactly how it's gonna shake out but I'm pretty sure we could slot um we could slot Penny and Swift in as the top two backs there in, yeah I think so in an explosive offense with one of if not the best offensive lines in football I I want a piece of that, and I know, I know that neither Penny nor Swift have been the most durable backs, and now they're you know um, one and two in some order, in mm-hmm. um in, in in an offense, but it's that particular offense, and 
with the ceiling that that offense has, that excites me. That 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 really excites me. So, you know, I've been this this one like I, sh- I should have looked at something else um, besides this uh, little thing I was looking at today. Um, I should have looked at the fantasy pros thing to see where they have it, but I've seen I've seen Gibbs as high as RB twelve. Um, that's a that's rich. That's that 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 is rich to me. That has him over Etienne, Kenneth Walker, Swift. But then if you look a little bit lower than that, I think I'd want him before Aaron Jones, David Montgomery, maybe Damian Pierce. You know, he's in that mix. He's in that right, mix right. somewhere. And even if you don't believe, even if you don't believe in that, what I'm looking at now has Penny at RB32. I'm happy right there. I'm 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 okay. I'm happy right there. Um, especially in best ball, mm-hmm. especially in best ball, but even even in redraft, because again, the the narrative being one of the top two running backs on what's going to be a committee in no worse than like the projected top three, top four offense in the league. I'm with that, <laughs> yeah. man. I'm, yeah. I'm 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 with that. I'm with that. Gibbs might be a little rich for 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 what I just said. But but Penny, I'm with that. And if Gibbs slides a little bit more, you know, maybe that's just some some post draft um, some post draft steam that that's going on right there. But yeah, I'd, I'd like so, a piece of that backfield. So on fantasy pros for their current uh, PPR rankings for running backs, they have Gibbs at 25, Swift at 26, and. Where do they have my boy Rashad Penny? Rashad Penny's at 34. So I guess with that in mind, Gibbs or Swift, if you had to decide like right now today. I think I uh, I think I'd have to go Gibbs just because of the draft capital. Right. And whatnot. But I'm not mad either way. Okay. I'm not mad either way. I think that's kind of the almost perfect response with with the draft capital um, as kind of the nod for it. So, but yeah, to your point again on those running backs with Philly, like if those are the prices for them, I'm in. At least these redraft prices, I said I'm in on them for my redraft league. Yeah, man, Rashad Penny, so. when he stays healthy, is. He's a top tier running back in the league when he stays healthy. DeAndre mm-hmm. Swift at any point in time can just bust one bust one to the house. I can't man, I really can't see how it when those two guys are healthy, I really can't see how Gainwell and Boston Scott are really are going to significantly mess that up. It's gonna have to be some really just like all oh, man type shit where they got down to the one yard line and they put one of them in to get, <laughs> to, to get that touchdown. But like through like yeah. normal flow of the game type stuff. I just can't see how with, with Swift and Penny healthy that Gainwell and Boston Scott are going to get them off the field. I understand that, but I just feel like Gainwell still going to mix in there a little bit. I don't know how much, but I feel like he'll be in there a little bit. Um, for sure. 
All right, next running back I had here was Tony Pollard. Just the quickest of note for me on this is that they didn't draft the running back until later in the draft with Deuce Vaughn. Um, shout outs to his dad making that call to him, letting him know that the Cowboys did draft him. Um, his dad is a scout for the Cowboys and good little made for TV moment there that they showed. But yeah, uh, he's not going to be a threat to Tony Pollard in regards to um, the touches that he should receive. Now, I have seen some words on them potentially bringing Zeke back, which I'm sure Jerry Jones is all in love with, but that hasn't made any movement as of right now. Right. Well, yeah. And like you said, like as of right now, Tony Pollard, big winner, big winner out of this. Um, I mean, the rest of the rest of the backfield is what Malik Davis, Deuce Vaughn, and is it Ronald Jones? Um, Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so everybody like, threatening Pollard. <laughs> so yeah, he's man. He's he's in position as of right now to the moon. He's in position right now. Early second round. Yep. Or that's yeah. And maybe you know, hell, even if they do bring Zeke back, that probably doesn't change too much for 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 Pollard's outlook because it will have been three years in a row of Pollard being significantly better than Zeke. So yeah, and, and we and we know that you know Pollard finished. Uh, running running back seven last year. I want to say that was PPR running back seven last year with Zeke getting you know the lion's share of the short yardage and the and the goal to go situation. We know Tony Pollard's resume. He don't need much. He just needs a sliver, and he can get there. You know he he, he can get you those tutties. So yeah, definitely definitely a winner. Absolutely right on that call. For sure. Also have listed here Hendon Hooker being drafted to Detroit. I just felt it's a win for him because, you know, he can go there and recover from the ACL tear and potentially, potentially, if they don't want to bring back Jared Goff, they could, you know, cut him and Hendon Hooker could be running the show. Now, I don't necessarily think they'll do that, but it's not a bad landing spot for him at all. Right, and... Well, one note, I believe they did extend Jared Goff just today. Um, oh, was not aware. But, but you know, a lot, a lot of that stuff is, is kind of, it's kind of, you know, funny money and, um, and, and it's situations where they don't want a guy sitting there as, as a lame duck, you know, like, and Jared, Jared Goff has done enough for them not to be sitting in as a lame duck, like as, as compared to the situation that say Gardner Minshew is in this year, where this man is just on a one year deal or like Baker Mayfield oh, yeah, yeah, is yeah. just on a, on, on a one year deal. So I think, I think that extension might've been like, you know, Hey, bud, thanks. Th- thanks. You all you're done. Like here, here's your gold watch. And if things go well enough, then yeah, maybe he could hold Hendon Hooker off. If Hendon Hooker is able to get, get his act together he only has Jared Goff to beat so you know yeah I that's that's a that's about as good a situation as 
Hooker could have hoped for, given that, you know, what things were looking like for, for him before that injury and things, you know, afterwards. That, yeah, that, that was really, that was really low key heartbreaking that, you know, he was just having such a ridiculous season. This man was riding high after they beat Alabama in that, uh, in that game. And then, yeah, to, to have that injury come, you know, right before it's time for him to finally take that step into the NFL. Think things worked out okay for him, um, you know, given all that stuff. For sure. And go ahead and lead us on these next two guys we have here on the list. Sure, yeah. So I just wanted to throw a shout-out to Justin Herbert. Um, I think he was a big winner. Just all in all, you know, it not partially because of the draft, because to me, I think that I would rather I, – I, I really have sought and I go back and forth in my head. I think I would rather have had Quentin Johnson, number one, uh, the, the, the number one, like, Wookiee wide receiver, especially after the draft, especially after the draft. This This man is coming in to play with one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. They just got a new um, a new offensive coordinator who just got ousted from a job for slinging the ball around too much. (laughs) Those are great problems to have. Those are, those are great, great problems to have and coming into an offense where, you know, coming into the, um, I was going to say San Diego coming into the chargers offense where basically people have been complaining for about the last three years that they run the damn ball too much slash they don't push it deep slash they don't have the weapons to get deep. Quentin Johnston can do that. Quentin Johnston comes in where, you know, where I'm just assuming Mike Will and Keenan Allen are going to be healthy. He's not going to have the pressure to be the number one receiver, but from what we saw of his game at TCU, if you got your third best DBs on him though, he could be a problem. Mm-hmm. And then come next year, you know, he could he could push one of the other two guys out of, out of the door and really work his way up the uh, up the depth chart up the depth chart. So I think he just adds a dimension that that offense was really really sorely sorely needing, and I think that helps. I think he's a winner. I think Justin Herbert is a winner um, for, for from that draft pick alone. I'm in agreement with you, um, especially for Quentin Johnson from a future standpoint, too, because it's very likely one of those two or maybe possibly both may not even be on that team next year with Allen and Mike Will. So, yeah, I like the future prospects on him with that. And I think he comes into a situation similar with JSN where, like, he kind of plugs into the third wide receiver. but like. You know, we we can't predict injuries, right? But it seems as though every year within the past three years or however long it's been that, you know, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen has been together, one or if not both have gotten hurt in each season. So I do think there's going to be some opportunity here for Quentin Johnson. Um, So you would say at least with 
rookies coming into, let's say, redraft leagues, do you think he should be the first rookie wide receiver taken in most drafts? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I do. I, I do because at this point, I don't think the difference – so it would be between him and JSN. I don't think the difference between um, between Johnson and then Keenan Allen and um, and Mike Will at this point is the same kind of distance between, you know, JSN and damn Tyler Lockett and, 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 okay. and DK Metcalf. Okay. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are legit monsters. Right, Mike Will right. and Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen used to be a monster, but at this point – they're just like very good, very solid. JSN came in with with two monsters, so so that's why I would I would lean Quentin Johnson there. Okay, and looking at fantasy pros, uh, the rankings right now on the wide receivers, and of course these are going to change. It does have JSN um, as the first quote unquote at forty seven, Jordan Addison at forty eight, and then Quentin Johnson at fifty four. I would expect him to push up the board, though, um, as the offseason continues. So, yeah, yeah, that's a man. That's a whoo. Herbert, Eckler, Johnston, Mike Will, Keenan. When Gerald Everett has has his you know has his head on straight, Gerald, like that. That's a good offense, man. That's a really good offense. For sure, for sure. And then our last winner here, we have Ramon Jerry Stevenson. Talk to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just put Ramon Jerry on here because this is kind of, you know, all, not just the draft season, the totality of his offseason. You know, they let the Patriots let Damian Harris walk. They haven't, they haven't really signed anybody. They didn't draft anybody um, to really come in and challenge Ramondre Bill Belichick has actually had very good things to say about Ramondre like I think yeah he's he's a winner just from just from all that to me add in the fact that yeah it's Bill O'Brien coming in as their offensive coordinator but it can't be any worse than what they had with the two-headed monster that they had an offensive coordinator last year between Matt, Matt Patricia a defensive guy, and I can't even remember the other guy who I think was also a defensive guy. So um, this seems like them getting their heads uh, screwed on straight, and things things just look up for Ramondre. Now maybe Pierre Strong yeah. takes a step up in, um, in 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 backfield usage and things like that, but given what Ramondre has proven, and given that they haven't brought anybody else in. Uh, I think I think this looks like a pretty good a pretty good win for for him, man. I, I think it does. I think I'm in agreement. Go oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say I'm in agreement with you, and yeah, Pierre Strong may factor in here uh, more because he he had that one game I I, I think against the Raiders where he kind of had some a good showing there, but um. Yeah, Ramondre is safe here. They didn't use the capital on a running back early on or anything like that. So, yeah, he's firmly in place where he's at, I believe, around the RB1. Yeah, like lower end RB1. He's yep. the type where, um, you know, if you get 
say if you get like mid round pick in your draft, like you were drafting 105 to 108 or something like that, go ahead and snag one of those elite wide receivers and mm-hmm. get Ramondre on 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 the turnaround. And I think you're off to you're off to a pretty good start in your draft. Like I I would be I would be I was gonna say okay. I would I would be kind of happy with that. So yeah. Okay. Good, good. Well, let's talk about the other side of the coin. Let's talk about some of the losers. We've already mentioned David Montgomery, Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet, and JSN. Got a couple more here. I think the biggest loser in the draft, Phil for the man, Tyler Algier. Tyler Algier set the Falcons rookie rushing record. And for that service, (laughs) <laughs> the Falcons get Bijan. Um, it had been linked that they would that they were looking at Bijan and that they would potentially draft him. I really didn't think they were gonna do it because I felt like Algier and Patterson had been good for that team, but hey, they couldn't pass up on that Bijan mustard, baby. Man, so you know how in Friday Craig gets fired on his day off. With Tyler Algier, it's like he did that, but he had just been employee of the month beforehand. Like, right. And he, and he didn't steal any boxes. Like, right. it's, it's poor, poor guy. And, like, the thing about it, too, is okay, just real quick from a football perspective, the Atlanta Falcons' run game was lights out. They were top tier in any run metric you want to look at Absolutely. last year. I understand Bijan is probably the best running back prospect since Saquon, if not a better one. They didn't need a running back, man. They did not need yeah, they didn't. A, a running back. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the fantasy angle from it. Yeah, Tyler Algier, big, big loser here just because, like we said, the man was great for them in his rookie year, but then they draft a generational prospect ahead of him in the next year. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> as for Bijan though, oh, Hey, on the, you know, we got to look at the flip side of this. Like I just said, they had the Falcons had, you know, top tier running back production, like running game production last mm-hmm. year. And they just dropped in one of the best prospects we've seen in quite a while. Bijan to the moon. Bijan to the moon here. Like that's... Take me to the moon. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, from from that angle, I think he's got to be one of the top three running backs off the board. All right, well, let me put you on the spot here. Since you said top three, we got on Fantasy Pros rankings, they have CMC, Eckler, Taylor, Barkley, Jacobs, then John. So who are the two I guess you have before Bijan if you're saying top three? He goes after Eckler. He goes after Eckler for me. Okay, so CMC, Eckler, and then Bijan for you? Yeah, because okay. you know I like um, I like I like Taylor. Taylor's a really good player, 
and all that, but he's just got Jalen Hurts, you know, like he's got a guy who he's going to be competing with to score touchdowns, to score red zone touchdowns. Um, uh, I got you. So like that, that takes him down. And who'd you say number four was? Uh, number four is Saquon and five is Josh Jacobs. Saquon kind of has a little bit of that too with his, uh, with his QB, um, his QB competing with him for touchdowns. Josh Jacobs doesn't have that so much, but yeah, again, you throw in the backdrop of what went on with that, of, of how good that Atlanta rushing attack was. Mm-hmm. If they do decide to kind of stop running the ball quite as much and institute a little bit more uh, of a passing game. Bijan could do that too. He's their best running back. He's their, you know, he's their best thumper back. He's their best, um, he's their best uh, receiving back. Whatever they decide to do, he's got it covered and he's not really going to be competing with Desmond Ritter for, um, for, for rushing touchdowns. I, I like him after Eckler. Okay. Okay. So then that means you'll probably be looking what probably 105, 106 looking at him for sure. Yeah, mid mid, mid first round. Yeah. Mid first Ooh. round. I'm I'm taking Jettis before him. I feel like I gotta take Cooper Cup before him. I gotta take Jamar Chase before him. Um mm. but then Tyreek. No, I I draw the line. I draw the line there. I do. I'm taking. I I I, I love I love Tyreek, as mm-hmm. well. But um, but yeah, that's uh, I, I think I believe that's where I'm at, as of March fourth, at five fifty one in the PM. <laughs> May May fourth, get the right month for you. May fourth, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just saw the M and went with it. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Um. When we get into um, division previews, and we call that, you know, a preview for you guys. When we get into division previews, it's going to be interesting to discuss Atlanta's offense and the prospects there because the weapons there are pretty dang good, too, at least the main two with London and Pitts. But we'll yeah. get into that later. The other loser I had here, and this is just simply because of him falling completely out, Will Levis, man, fell to the second round to the Tennessee Titans. And even though he fell there, like, there's a possibility, depending on how that season goes, that he could be starting some games. So maybe it's not a complete loss, but, yeah, that man fell completely out the first. And at one point there were odds for him (laughs) to, uh, well, not be the first pick, but he was featured in those odds at a, at a decent price. Yeah. Yeah. I remember there was, um, there was significant movement. Um, the odds made significant movement in his favor for the Texans to take him at, at, at number two. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember that was catching some steam um, like late the week before early the week of the draft. And I, I heard somewhere I, today it might have been it might have been the footballers who talked about it today or yesterday, saying that he Levis had made it clear that he didn't want to go to the green room 
unless he knew he was going to be top 15. And so like somewhere down the line, like either there was some kind of communication, somebody lied to him, or, you know, maybe it could just be that the situation, the facts on the ground just kind of changed a little bit. You know, maybe it has something to do with, um, with the Texans trading up to, to get the third pick after they already picked second, maybe the dominoes just fell in such a way that, um, Things didn't work out in Will Levis's favor, but that man didn't even want to be there. Like for <laughs> if, if things were going to be like that, and you know, and that was kind of a nightmare scenario for him. But like you mentioned, um, like you mentioned in in the preamble to us talking about him, you know, he lands in a pretty decent spot to get on the field uh, this this year. You know, and, and as a second round pick, that's not nothing. Um, cause like uh, the Titans do, the Titans do, you know, on a yearly, on a yearly basis, they do a good job of like making, making all the lemonade they can out of, out of the lemons <laughs> that they get. So, you know, yeah. Vrabel, Vrabel is really good at that. And there is like an outside shot that maybe they could put themselves in contention to, compete for the division, but I think it's going to be super tough for them. And they could be in a situation come like somewhere between like week eight and 12, where they're, even if they're not mathematically out of it, they're just kind of spiritually out of it. Um, right. And it could be time to turn the reins over to, um, to the young man. So I think he does have a couple outs this year to, um, to try to get some redemption for himself. Yeah, he does, and particularly with that division, it's like you have the Jags that are pretty much on their own tier, and then you got ten. I would say Tennessee is essentially in their own tier too, just because of the coach they have, and they still have a, a solid defense. But then you know the Texans and excuse me, Indy are going to be in the back end of it, integrating new quarterbacks essentially. So. All that to say, it could be something where the Titans could be competitive. And then, like you said, they just reach a certain degree and it's just like, all right, let's go ahead and give Levis some some reps here. So. Yeah. Um, any other players you could think of um, just in general, whether winner or loser, that just kind of popped off for you that you want to mention real quickly? Yeah, um, we've talked about this guy several times throughout these um, these offseason uh, pods that we've done, but the Nick Chubb train is still on the tracks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. No no competition came in for him. The, um, the, um, the depth chart behind him doesn't look like any kind of challenge to a guy who's as good as he is. So, yeah. The train still stays on the tracks. He's, oh man, he's a, he's about a mid tier RB one for 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 me right now as it stands. I'm not sure, um, I'm not sure where his, where his ADP is, um, right right at the moment. But the place where it was before, before Underdog opened up, um, but before they stopped doing the super flex big board and moved to Best Ball Mania. You know, you 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 could get Nick Chubb like in the fourth, fifth round. Um, I'm sure it's not going to stay there for 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 you know the setup that they for the one QB setup that they have for Best Ball Mania. Right. But 
this guy, he doesn't need to be going too far below Tony Pollard. I'll say that much. I agree with you. It's just the eyes that people have on him is that just not involved in the in the passing game, and that's just kind of the knock that they have on Nick Chubb. But I will gladly take him as my RB1 in the second round, and I know he'll he'll be up there in redraft leagues. He'll probably be in the second round for sure, but if he's still going in the third round in these best ball competitions, ooh, boy, I'm, I'm locking that in. <laughs> yeah, he's currently going – all right, he's current in or um on the on the four for four site that, that we would use to check the um underdog ADPs. They're mm-hmm. back up and running now that the Superflex stuff is over. And so over the past week, Chubb is 21st overall. Oh, okay. So so yeah, you're, back you, end you're of the getting second. Him. Yeah. You could mess around and just get him on the get him on the turn. You know? Yeah. Mess around and get Devontae Adams at eleven and twelve at eleven or twelve. And then turn right back around and get Nick Chubb. So yeah, yeah. And well. I would not be mad at that. <laughs> Me either. Me either. Um, if there's anybody yeah, else worth mentioning? Um, I don't know. We don't have to talk too much about this, but with the way things have shaken out with um, with the Vikings. And, you know, they're trying to get Dalvin to rework his contract and all that stuff. They didn't they didn't draft anybody to come in and challenge him. Um, you know, if they kicked him off the roster today, Alexander Madison would be their number one running back. Do they really want to do that? Who's still left in free in free agency? You know, you have Kareem Hunt and and Zeke still out there. Like Dalvin might have just got himself a bit of leverage the way the way the draft and the offseason have played out so far um he's still probably not worth that 14 to 16 million dollars that there that um that he's under contract for but mm-hmm. there is a whole lot of well what else are you going to do there's a whole lot more of that with him now than there was pre-draft so um yeah it'll he he's sitting right there and that and i think he moved a little bit more towards being in that winner circle um place than than he was pre-draft so for sure yeah for sure i agree with you on on that one yeah he um with with dalvin in particular like i feel like they need to like make this decision soon because we getting close to otas and then after otas shoot training camp is usually not too far around the corner from that so yeah they need to need to decide what they're gonna do here with this man yeah, yeah, you know they could always bring in like kind of a replacement level running back and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, they probably they have one on the roster with, um, with um, with Alexander Madison. But yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'd rather have Dalvin personally if I were if I were them. So we'll just have to see how things exactly. go with him. But he's certainly uh, he's his situation certainly caught my eye. I'll just say that much. For sure. For sure. Well, yeah, let's go ahead and hop on out of here. This is our draft podcast. Went over some winners and losers and, of course, some news. Um, Next week, we'll probably look into doing one of those best ball drafts. We've talked about a little bit about strategy beforehand, and we went through the um, 
through the ADPs of best ball. Of course, those have changed since we went through them. But yeah, we'll look forward to getting into that content. And then later on, at some point, we're going to go ahead and start getting into the divisions. We'll do a podcast for each of the eight divisions, looking at each team and discussing the fantasy outcomes that we could see, as well as, you know, general football takes there as well. Before we hop out of here, though, Daryl, what you got for the good people? Well, you know, man, this is we we talk about it a lot, but this 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 news feed, this this trough just never stops turning, man. There's always some fresh meat being thrown on here, and it's uh it's super cool to think about and to get into and to just kind of find out to kind of figure out ways to beat it. And especially around this time of year to find out, to try to figure out ways to be ahead of the curve. Right. You know, <laughs> um, before, because come what, like late July, early August, all this stuff is pretty much locked in. And any stuff that you see in these drafts you do, that's out of the ordinary is people acting on their takes by, by, by that point. But now um, there's a whole lot more takes that can swirl around. There's a whole lot more stuff that uh, that, that that we can consider, and a whole lot more angles we could take to try to be smarter about um, how we approach this stuff. And so it's it's real fun to get in here and dig in through that. So yeah, it's the best. It really <laughs> is the best. It is the best indeed. As mentioned, we'll be doing a best ball draft probably next week. Uh, be on the lookout for that. I am Derek. It's my brother, Daryl. We're out of here, guys. Y'all have a good one. Peace.